Disclaimer. The views and opinions of the persons in the podcast do not represent the DLSU-SHS Student Council, Student Committee, or Administration. Welcome back to Erudition, Navigating the Limitless. This is Jason. And I'm Brio, and we'll be your hosts for today. It is evident how rampant social media platforms are in disseminating information in different fields, may it be politics, sports, showbiz, and a lot more, too many to enumerate. This allows the public to instantly respond and provide feedback through various social media platforms. That is very true. So with that being said, we have invited our wonderful speakers to be with us today in discussing the implications of this rapid and widespread interactions with the public in social media. To start it off, our first speaker is Sir Danilo Arrow. He is an educator at UP and also a journalist from an alternative media named Bulatlat PH. Kamusta naman po kayo, sir? <laughs> Hello po. Yeah. Hello. Uh, it's nice to be here and thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And today, we will also be having Sir Mark Villaluna, a multimedia journalist of Manila, Th- Ma- Manila Bulletin and a former producer of ABS-CBN to check with us, to speak with us today. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. And thank you for inviting me. It's nice to be with you guys. Good afternoon, po, sir. Thank you, po. thank you, Pooh, for accepting your invitation to this podcast. So uh, now we met our speakers. All right. Uh, let's not waste any time and finally, let's move on to our discussion. Okay, so we're going to be having our first question. So to the both of you, uh, you, any of you can answer first. What do you think are the pros and cons of the emergence of social media to news outlets and media practitioners? Please feel free to cite your own experiences or sentiments about this. So <laughs> at this point, uh, we can say that uh, the nature of new media or the attribute of new media is that of convergence. So we see here a situation where print and broadcast would tend to embrace uh, the new media and not see it as a direct competitor. Uh, The advantage here is that by uh, embracing uh, new media, particularly social media, uh, we would be able to reach uh, a wider audience. So the cons or the disadvantage of uh, new media uh, would be quite marginal and actually it depends on one's utility or one's use of social media. Uh, Right now, today's generation uh, is faced with too much information or TMI in millennial speak, right? Uh, During our time, uh, we did not have that much problem with too much information uh, because uh, the problem with news gathering would be something quite different at a time when uh, there was no internet yet. Uh, Perhaps later on, we can discuss that in detail. But uh, for me, uh, the advantages would tend to outweigh the disadvantages uh, because, uh, as I said a while ago, the disadvantages are just marginal, uh, so to speak. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, sir. How about you, sir, Mark? Okay. I agree with what Professor Arrow said uh, about uh, media convergence because that's really what the media landscape is now. Um, a few years back, maybe you've heard of uh, you know the, the 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 catchphrase, the changing media landscape uh, worldwide, um, and that's because of the emergence of new technology uh, of uh, social media. 
um, I remember when I was still in high school, um, that's the start of, you know, the boom of the so different social media platforms, Friendster, Panon, <laughs> and Multiply, no? and then later on Facebook. But uh, observing that and having used those platforms, um, there really has um, a lot of change that, that has happened uh, over time. Even in, in, in the, the way social media is being used now. Um, there are a lot of advantages, like uh, what Professor Arrow said. Um, now it's easier for us to, to break news somehow. Uh, if you notice in your social media feeds, usong um, uso yung, uh, yung, quote, uh, yung art card na just in. Uh, <laughs> and people sometimes tend to, to make fun of it uh, even. But it's easier now to break news. I mean, to, to um, deliver... Um, information that people need to have uh, immediately, especially when it comes to emergencies, uh, stories about disaster, you know? I mean, easily consumable types uh, of information or pieces of information. Um, it's easier for people to, um, to collate. I mean, for, for example, speaking for myself, for, for journalists, since um, Professor Aaron mentioned something about news gathering, um, somehow it has aided journalists to um, look at alternative sources of information, um, veering away from more traditional ways by which we do data or news uh, gathering. No? I mean, because the, the, the more traditional ones would be, you know, going to your source, the interview, uh, sifting through official documents. No, and ngayon nga parang, we're being encouraged to look at alternative uh, ways uh, of um, presenting, I mean, gathering and presenting information because sometimes official documents really don't give you much, especially now <laughs> at these times. So, uh, and this is something that other news outlets internationally has been doing. Like, for example, the New York Times has this segment in YouTube called Visual Investigations. And what they do, they do investigative reporting uh, by making use of footage from uh, ordinary citizens that they posted online. And then they collect, collate that, they study that, and then they use other online tools to make sense of the event or the news. So it has developed in that kind of uh, way by which we do our work. And it's exciting. And I think that's one of the advantage uh, of having social media now. The disadvantage for me, um, although what Professor Arrow said is, you know, the disadvantages are really marginal. Maybe it's more of the, the threats sometimes that social media can pose, especially to the users. Um, it's easy for us to to transform social media into echo chambers of noise. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, basic communication principle, diba? Uh, noise disrupts the way we um, send and, and receive information. And there's a lot of that now in, in social media. So I think it's more of really a challenge uh, for us rather than seeing it as a disadvantage of how we can make social media a more meaningful, meaningful place for all of us. I very much agree a lot with all of your points and most especially yung 
pagka yung convergence po and how everything is made so accessible. Actually, I remember this other discussion we had in another episode where we we really emphasized how instant everything is. Parang yun na mention yun po andami pong mga sources of information that you can get from. And I think it's it's due to how how easy it is na po talaga to just post, to just access. And while it is a good thing, as you guys mentioned as well, it's also there's also this abundance po talaga that we really need to sift through when we're um, intaking all this information. Uh, same, to, same to what Brie said po. Uh, actually po, nung narinig ko po yung uh, parang because of the technological advancements, uh, na parang yung media mismo, isa sila sa mga nag-start mag-embrace ng this new platform, which is the digital media. And uh, kidding lang, uh, parang naisip ko lang, natandaan ko lang yung Facebook. Yung mga panahong, fa- ako naman Facebook, kung kay Sir Mark, friends, sir, ako naman Facebook ang naabutan ko. Ginagawa ko pa siyang parang Twitter wall ko. Tapos dun pa lahat ng ano, dun pa yung parang Twitter discussions, kahit hindi ganun yung layout layouting niya. Tapos parang, wala lang. I agree na parang, Yes, it has a wider audience. Parang ngayon, pwede mo na makausap yung friend mo na napakalayo. Pero, uh, this, ano, there's still cons. But like what most uh, most of you emphasize na pros outweigh the cons. Um, uh, naisip ko lang po, lalo na online tayo din nag, nag-meet ngayon, uh, online din po yung platform na ginagamit ngayon due to the pandemic. Um, could it be said that social media is the most prominent form of media today? Like, from since meron na po tayong pa-history kanina na <laughs> trip down memory lane na before, ganito yung media, gan, ano, nung panahon ko po, ganun. So parang, with with that, why do you think so, Wona, if yes or no po, yung sagot ni Pudin? Uh, of course, if you look at data from Pulse Asia uh, based on uh, its survey of media uh, in the recent election, uh, television is still, uh, quote-unquote, the most powerful. Okay, So why is it most powerful? Well, for the simple reason that much as new media is the newest uh, kid on the block, so to speak, uh, the internet penetration rate is still a little more than uh, 50%. Uh, which, okay, don't get me wrong, it's, an, it's quite significant because way back in 2001, it was only, sing, it was only a single-digit uh, figure uh, way back when, so about uh, 20 years ago. So it's, a, it's an advantage by itself, but never, uh, it's an exponential growth by itself, but uh, the digital divide is still real. Uh, much as we have devices uh, that make it convenient to access the internet, uh, I think uh, you guys weren't born yet uh, at a time when uh, we needed uh, a telephone line and a 56K modem to access the internet. And uh, accessing the internet was very, very cumbersome. Okay, not, not to mention that terrible sound effect that I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> but now uh, we have Wi-Fi connection, uh, your phone uh, doesn't need WAP or wireless application protocol. With uh, you can now use uh, HTTPS uh, on your uh, on your device. So before uh, in the 1990s, uh, if we push it further back, 
you needed two kinds of browsers to access the internet, uh, one to access the text, the other to access the graphics. But now everything is very much uh, seamless or quite uh, convenient. In fact, in terms of code, in terms of designing websites, uh, just so you know, uh, at, during our time, we needed to learn HTML, hand coding, and we learned it by using Notepad as a text editor, okay, to, you know, to hand code uh, every page. But now with uh, CMS, uh, you don't need, uh, well, of course, it's an advantage to know coding, but uh, right now, even if you don't have any background in coding, uh, you can create uh, blogs or websites, uh, you know, on your own. It's now called BCWing. What you see is what you get. So, okay, so it's quite exciting. It's an exciting terrain. But uh, the quick answer to your question is, unfortunately, because of the digital divide, uh, we cannot say that social media is the way to go. Uh, it's falling into the trap of the introduction of television, uh, you know, in the past, where with the introduction of, death of uh, television, uh, people said it's the death of uh, radio. Okay, in fact, there was even a song about it, Video Killed the Radio Star. So there was that, so there was that uh, scenario at that time. But right now, uh, I don't think print will die because of uh, online publications or because of the e-books. Uh, it will still be there because uh, communication uh, theories show that uh, the, at the basic attributes of print, uh, which is permanence, and radio, which is immediacy, and television, which is audio and visual, it will still remain. Uh, but with the introduction of the new media, we see another platform uh, which we shouldn't see as a threat uh, to the so-called old media or the so-called legacy media because they should function uh, in their own respective ways. And just as a last point, uh, as regards the digital divide, in urban areas, we see the power of the internet, but that's not really true in uh, the countryside, particularly in areas where you cannot have, you know, a decent uh, cell phone signal. And actually, you can even argue that in some parts of Metro Manila, uh, you still do not have decent internet connection, right? So just imagine how hard it is in other areas. And I think part of the manifestation of the digital divide would be the inconvenience of students as regards uh, remote learning where they they really where we have students who are who are left behind and we have millions of students unfortunately who have dropped out uh, because of lack of access to the internet so that's one point to consider as well that's all thank you thank you sir um sir nakamit ka pa. <laughs> I think Professor Ara has explained the digital divide uh, uh, fully. Maybe I will just add to it. Um, maybe the reason why we have this notion of uh, social media and the internet being the more prominent uh, way by which we communicate, so to say, nowadays, it's because we're probably confining our view of, uh, of that uh, reality as we experience it here in the metro. Um, but if you go out, like uh, what Professor Arrow said, the, the digital divide is there. Um, case in point, last year when Typhoon Ulysses hit uh, the northern part of the Philippines, um, 
it took a while for us to really make sense on a national scale what really is happening to assess uh, the gravity of the situation when, when uh, the typhoon struck the northern part of, of the country and people had to resort to Twitter to call for help and, and all this issue with the vice president, etc. Right? Um, um, that's where social media um, played its role. But you can see it has its limits. Uh, the battery of the, 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 the smartphones drained down. There was poor internet connection and people really just used it to call the attention of national scale media outlets to put focus on what's happening there. And it's the only time, you know, the, the bigger uh, media organizations who have a natural reach, uh, that's the, that was the only time uh, they, they went there. Um, so we can still see from that um, experience the, the primacy and the importance of more analog and traditional forms of media like that. Um, in fact, may nagsabi pa na, eh kasi at the time, ang, ang regional network lang talaga na meron sa Tubigaraw is ABS. Yeah. Walang ibang regional network <laughs> present there. And, and you can see there the importance of regional reporting, <laughs> uh, the importance of regional stations. So, um, and, you, and, and because of, you know, um, shutting down uh, uh, a media organization that has a nationwide reach, uh, it only um, strengthened that, that, that claim to the importance of having different uh, traditional uh, media outfits present no? so that the services are more far-reaching. Uh, um, so while social media will be there um, and, and it's very much present, no? uh, especially in, in the urbanized areas, um, there is still a lot of um, uh, development that has to happen before, especially here in the Philippines, um, before we can truly say that social media is the, the number one uh, communication tool that that we have. Certainly, we're, we're leading there. I mean, there was a news about Dito, a telecommunications company, and, um, um, you know, um, establishing uh, signal sites in many different parts of the country. So there was a, there was a press release kanina about it. Uh, um, and they're offering faster data, uh, hopefully for, for people. But again, I mean, you know, it will only be uh, a reality, really, uh, if, you know, every province has decent, at least a very decent uh, um, internet connection. Lalo na sa mga island provinces. No? I, I did a story about precisely what Professor I was mentioning a while back. You know, students who are studying in the islands, for example, they don't have internet there. They don't have, they don't even have electricity supply there. So they can't do uh, that TV types of uh, instruction there. They can't even do radio broadcast types of instruction there. So what what do they do there? They, they, they still resort to modul, uh, modular modes of learning. So the teachers have to go there every week uh, riding the boat to just to bring the modules, printed modules. So 
I think before we can say that, you know, social media as the most prominent form of communication, we, we still have a lot of things to develop in terms of the infrastructure and the technologies that has to be established, the technologies that have to be established before we can, you know, make that a, a reality. Oh, I must def- I, actually, that was a really interesting take that uh, both of you had brought up. Actually, especially sa atin no, na may access naman po sa mga online platforms, I personally haven't really considered that there are, there's still a huge uh, portion of the population that doesn't have the kind of access that we do para ma-immerse rin po sa mga platforms natin like social media. Pero nonetheless po, personally po, no, I'm looking forward to advancements pa po in technology. I mean, seeing as to how the internet has evolved, yung na-mention po ni Sir Danilo, yung parang sound po. Actually, ngayon po, nagiging meme na po siya eh. Marinig niyo po sa mga memes ng mga Gen Z. And parang, it, it reminds me po na there, it's still continuing to progress po. And hopefully, it's still gonna continue to grow more accessible and to reach those people po na you mentioned na hindi po, siguro po, Ma, ma overcome yung limitations niya po as of the moment. And with that being said po, on the topic once again of social media and hoping and, and looking forward to how it will continue to evolve, we know that so there is a more rapid and more fast-paced nature in social media. And we'd like to ask you how you think that impacts the public's reaction and attitudes towards certain issues and how and, and in what way? If anyone would like to start. So, yung question po is, um, how does the fast-paced and rapid nature of social media affect the public's outlook or reaction to some of these issues? Uh, I'm having some technical difficulties. Uh, could you please repeat the question? I know that you've asked it twice already, but uh, the connection is a bit terrible from my end. Sorry, um, maybe the, it's on my the end. The next question po, do you believe that the rapid and fast-paced nature of social media impacts the public's reaction and attitudes towards certain issues? If so, how? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, of course, the rapid pace of the internet uh, could be well, for lack of a better term, a double-bladed weapon. Uh, and even in journalism, sometimes we make that mistake where we try to break the news even if the information hasn't been vetted properly yet. So sometimes, the well, in journalism, you know the saying, we would rather be right than to be first. But with the advent of the internet, because of, you know, technological developments, it's, you know, the temptation to be the first uh, is always there uh, by virtue of the scoop mentality. Uh, that informs uh, many uh, dominant news media organizations. I'm sorry to say that. Uh, so there is that problem. So if you translate that to you know, the ordinary people's daily consumption of media, uh, the temptation to spread fake news uh, would be there. Uh, so, and right now, uh, I think you know the studies uh, out there 
uh, fake news is actually an industry. It's not done by individuals who have nothing better to do with their lives. So there is that, you know, organization to ensure that people will earn from spreading fake news. And so there is some degree of sophistication now. Uh, there's now uh, such a thing as deep fakes, where even videos can be spliced and uh, people could make, uh, could certain people and groups could make it appear that certain personalities are saying things that are direct, that are the direct opposite of what they actually said. So what's this got to do with people's perception on social media? Uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the advent of fake news uh, has ironically resulted in even, uh, you know, lack of credibility on the part of the genuine uh, news media organizations uh, whose purpose is to shape public opinion. Uh, why is this so? Uh, many people would tend to gravitate toward the sensational and the dramatic. And of course, conspiracy theories uh, would tend to rear their ugly heads uh, on social media. And in the process, people would tend to believe something uh, that they see on social media, unfortunately. Uh, once you package it as something like the alternative to you know, the established mainstream news media organizations, so that's why there's a high degree of media education and media literacy uh, to ensure that people will not fall into such kind of a trap. So anyway, so that's you know, my take on uh, the rather uh, broad uh, questions on people's perception on social media. Actually, there are a lot of aspects still to talk about, but I might as well stop there. Thank you. Thank you, Fuse. Uh, for me, naman, I mean, I think we cannot really, um, you know, we cannot really deny the the dynamic character of of uh, social media. You know, that it's fast paced. Uh, that um, people can easily uh, consume information and at the same time create and post their own content. That's why we have content creators. We have influencers. Uh, we have YouTubers and, and, and vloggers. So I think um, that dynamism is actually a good energy for us to harness and, and capitalize on, uh, I mean, on the side of uh, legitimate journalists because uh, that's, how, um, that's how people speak now. I mean, that's the language that they use. Um, and... and, and I was thinking really uh, some time ago, why can't we um, package information in such a way that we make use of the language, but we do not leave out the, the fundamental principles uh, and, 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 um, and values of good and sound journalism. So, um, and that's why people, there are people, there are journalists who are also venturing into uh, these kinds of uh, content. Now, people uh, and the way they behave in, in social media is, for me, dictated by the platforms uh, themselves. I mean, you know, uh, when, when Facebook started having the, the comment thread sections, people used it, people embraced it because it gave them more power to really voice out what they have in mind, which is, I think is, is important. Um, uh, and is healthy. It becomes unhealthy though, well, at least for me, when 
we have a populace who is not really um, empowered uh, or not really properly educated in terms of how to use these tools uh, in order to avoid transforming the, the social media, the internet, again, as what I've said a while back, as echo chambers of, of noise. Um, you know, it, if, for example, if you look at specific issues that are, you know, hot, hot uh, button issues, talagang matitrigger ka pag nagbasa ka ng mga comment section. And at times, I'm guilty of that. That sometimes, I know that this person is a troll, but I have that itch and the urge to answer because I feel like it's my civic responsibility and moral obligation to, to nullify that uh, comment because it's false. It's blatantly a, a lie. No, um, but you cannot do that all the time. You, cannot, you don't simply have the, the luxury of time to answer all of that. So I think um, it all boils down for me to what Professor Arrow said, that we really have to strengthen our media education and media literacy programs. And that's why we're thankful now because at least DepEd had uh, included that in the, in the main curriculum for, I think, senior high school. That before you graduate high school, you should have gone through at least one uh, media literacy class. Um, because with that, we're, we're equipping a, a generation who is born into this type of uh, media, into this type of uh, communication tool. Uh, and if we shape them and the way uh, they should consume and at the same time uh, create their own content, uh, and we equip them with proper editorial values, uh, proper appreciation to the work of journalists and, and the mass media in general, then hopefully you will have a, a, a generation of media savvy users, influencers, who can help us you know, battle it out with, with those who have ill-intentioned uh, agenda uh, in weaponizing the social media for their own purposes. If I may, if I may add rin po on the subject of media literacy, sa tingin ko po siguro na hindi lang po yung generation ngayon na nag-aaral, pero also some of the older generations that could be parang vulnerable po talaga to these fake news, especially po na hindi po sila ganun na po ka, yung iba po sa kanila no, hindi na po ka immersed in social media na hirapan po magdetermine this or that, no? And that's why a lot of the times makikita mo may mga chain messages na puro mm -hmm. fake news po. Hopefully po, no, there are also some initiatives to at least give them more background to have a hand on this type of of a platform pa rin po para ma-handle pa rin po responsibly. responsibly. Uh, Jason? Um, I like the part na na-emphasize both ni Sir Danilo and Sir Mark na uh, uh, maapektuhan talaga yung mga users of this social media platforms uh, if they don't have media literacy or hindi nila na-aral to somehow or hindi sila aware of it somehow. Like, I, I agree with that. Uh, as, like, as mga one of those na hindi sumunod na face, di ba dapat Facebook, may certain age limit siya before. May mga ganong, may age limit siya lagi but 
uh, hindi maiwasan na yung mga users niya sometimes may bata. And I became one of those. And makikita naman talaga na parang uh, iba yung iba iba yung approach sa alam sa kung paano gamitin yung platform or like alam paano makipag-interact to that platform kasi media literate nga like like what you guys said um additionally na mentioned din sa senior high school cur- curriculum ni Sir Mark uh yes actually it sparked this con- ano it sparked this question sa amin na online media kasi lahat ngayon eh parang uh gets natin, uh, iniiwasan yung information overload, pero hindi siya maiwasan. Kasi ngayon, every time you look, kahit gusto mo lang isang ting- isa lang tingnan mo, there's always something more. Laging dadagdag na, ay, may news na naman about this. Ito lang naman yung plinano kong tingnan. Unlike before na, you can actually focus on one. So, I believe po na it's already depending on the, pe- the person and depending on the uh, the availability of this uh, information sa kanila sa kung paano sila magiging uh, aware sa kung paano ba mag-handle ng media po like kung mag- mag-approach sa social media so with that said may na-mention din po kasi kayong uh, yung industry nga yung mga nagsispread ng false information and na-mention nyo din na uh, due to fast fast yung pagiging fast ng pag-create and intake ng uh, information online. Pati mismo mga fake news, hindi maiwasang uh, ma-intake or makuha. Lalo na for uh, those na uh, hindi aware nga anong gagawin nila. Uh, so, for our next question, social media offers accessible platforms for anyone with uh, with an account to share their own content. Like you said kanina, while it does offer a larger reach, this can be exploited to disseminate misinformation and malinformation or etc. So, could there be a practical solution for this or would the responsibility lie with the audience slash receiver? Like like you said kanina po, kailangan media literate para hindi maano sa noise po. Pero this time around, meron po ba kayong masasabing solution po? Or sa tao na po ba talaga yun? Uh, it's hard to just simply attribute it to the person. Of course, uh, at the end of the day, you can always say that uh, it depends on the person on how he or she uh, could responsibly use uh, social media. However, there are studies uh, that would show that uh, the social platform creators themselves uh, have designed such platforms in a way that would make it quite addicting. Uh, actually, you can read a lot of journal articles about it. Uh, there's a new documentary called The Social Dilemma that also tackles the same uh, topic where, for example, Facebook uh, has been designed allegedly to you know, uh, make you more prone to multitasking uh, in a bad way. Multitasking in the sense that you would uh, focus uh, your energy not just on uh, looking at certain content, but also trying to comment uh, as quickly and as, you know, uh, you know, several times over. Uh, sometimes your comment could be reflected in other comments as well. And uh, there are multi, and there are certain programs uh, or apps uh, where you can do multiple postings, uh, even if you're not a troll, okay, mind you. Uh, for example, uh, uh, let, uh, without mentioning specific apps, uh, you can just post once and then such posts can be replicated across your social media account. So that makes it 
very, very convenient uh, for as long as you provide third-party permissions uh, to your apps. You know, those things can be done. And uh, right now, uh, sometimes your digital identity could be put into question as well uh, because of, uh, this is a bit technical, because of single sign-on uh, attributes for certain websites. So right now, okay, let's just simplify. So sometimes you don't need to create your own account for certain websites. You just need to log on as a Facebook user or as a Twitter user. So you can do that. So that's what you call SSO or, SSO, or single sign-on. So what happens if your social media account gets hacked? So that person will have access not just to your uh, uh, social media platform, but also to your other accounts like uh, online shopping, uh, well, banking very soon if Mark Zuckerberg would have his way. So what's this, what's this got to do with uh, the problem uh, besetting social media right now? Uh, sometimes uh, we think it's free, but actually the price we pay for it would be certain aspects of our privacy and certain aspects of our personal lives. So that's why part of media literacy, uh, it's not just to you know uh, put much of the responsibility on the end user or you know uh, the people themselves uh, it's also uh, trying our best to analyze uh, how the social media platforms have been made and then try to exact some accountability uh, to the creators themselves uh, it's one way to fight the temptation uh, brought about by the addiction to social media so that's one aspect but the other aspect is to limit uh, such addictions uh, so that's one way uh, to, you know, do something about it. Uh, much as we are, because the power of social media, the, the main content of social media comes from the people themselves. Okay, so this is basically just like any other website that would be powered by what we call user-generated content. So the content comes from the users themselves. So we are in a position to ask uh, such creators to come up with a design uh, that would make uh, the social media platforms part of our daily lives. Uh, no, not part of our daily lives, but, but part of our daily routines. But it cannot control our own lives, uh, which is what's happening now. Uh, instead of uh, the social media platform being ma maximized for our daily routines, now we are trying to you know, lead our lives based on how we can project ourselves well on social media. Uh, which is counterproductive uh, in the long run. That's all. Okay. Um, actually, in, in a different online forum like this, I was asked uh, about the possibility of putting some state controls uh, bordering to censorship uh, kind of guidelines to police internet and social media uh, and this is nothing new because there are countries who do this <laughs> like uh, you know uh, our friendly neighbor <laughs> somewhere <there. laughs> so friendly. They, uh, that's why they don't have they have their own Facebook and they have their own social media platforms there right um, of course the state can do that but is it moral is it right for the state to enter the picture and, and censor the internet? That's another question. For now, we cannot really say if, if for me, uh, I mean, this is my opinion. I mean, we cannot really say whether we need a kind of regulation 
of state uh, sponsored regulation for for the internet or the way we use the internet and social media because i see the way i see social media and the internet now, at least in, in the philippine context is that it is it has that kind of energy that could be harnessed uh, and used to promote a lot of you know uh, good social change um, what i think is possible though is to strengthen um, you know state laws that govern um, how uh, we as citizens um, practice you know responsible uh, journalism and 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 how we can responsibly uh, exercise our freedom of speech which includes uh, the way we we use social media um, and there are there are laws uh, in place for that. I mean, that's why we have cybercrime laws. We have uh, data privacy laws. We have uh, freedom. Of, uh, we have uh, cyber libel uh, um, laws uh, in place, um, which is you know in, in more traditional forms of media we already have to safeguard uh, both the the quote unquote uh, content creators and journalists and and the the citizens, the rest of the citizens, uh, the media consumers. So um, for me, it's really um, strengthening those uh, uh, measures that are already in place, implementing them well, and not using them to not weaponizing those laws uh, to suppress uh, freedom of speech uh, and, and press freedom, because we, we see that. <laughs> We've been, I mean, you know, I, I don't have to specify which, but, you know, we've been, we've seen this uh, in, in recent uh, months, how uh, laws could be used to, to suppress press freedom and the, and the, and the, uh, the legitimate use of press power um, instead of um, cultivating it and, and, and enhancing it for, for the benefit of everyone. Now, um, uh, for me, um, the, the, the spread of false information, um, of disinformation, misinformation, we refuse to call it fake news <laughs> uh, because uh, in the first place, uh, if, it's, if it's fake, it, it could never qualify as news because it's one of the principles of of uh, journalism, that news is always grounded on the truth. Um, um, I think it, it could be uh, combated by, you know, I mean, as on the consumer end, as, as media users, we, we become more intentional in the place, in, in the way we, we make use of social media. For, for example, when I look at my feed, I am intentional in the types of organizations that I would follow in social media, because these organizations have, uh, we've proven them as, you know, legitimate sources of, of information. I mean, as journalists, as uh, websites, as media organizations, they practice vetting, uh, ver uh, source verification, gatekeeping before they publish content. Obviously, there are moments when, you know, uh, errors can, and mistakes can, uh, can happen or it could be done by, by specific people. And that's why we correct it immediately. But I mean, you know, the tradition of 
uh, excellence and responsibility in the practice of journalism by these institutions have been proven. So we become intentional with the with the organizations, with the, the websites and, and the pages that we follow. Second, that we, um, we keep a critical mind uh, in terms of the way we dialogue with the information uh, that we see online. Uh, and that's why it's very important to teach students this, right? Um, uh, you know, just looking at the website, how it's designed, you know, how the bylines are written, um, looking internally at, uh, at the, the post or the content of the article going beyond the headline. Um, I think these are very specific practical tips that students and educators can, can do to help ordinary citizens na how to spot, how to spot this, uh, this uh, types of misinformation and disinformation only because there are uh, organizations there who really, you know, are ill-intentioned and, and uh, makes use of these forms of uh, propaganda and, and uh, campaigns of false information to mislead the public. Um, and then um, structurally, like what Professor Aro explained, uh, social media platforms uh, themselves have developed specific ways on on how they could contribute to regulate somehow the flow of information and to uh, stop this, the, the further spread of false information online. Like for example, um, they have flagging mechanisms. Uh, they flag specific posts if these posts are suspicious uh, and it has become part of their algorithm. I don't know if you know, for example, your posts uh, uh, sa social media about COVID-19 and, and pandemic response, laging merong uh, notification or reminder sa baba ng post that this is about COVID-19 and, and the pandemic response. For more information, check the sources or, you know, they, they, they capitalize hypertextuality for cross-referencing. So I think these are things that we can teach people uh, to use more so that um, we don't easily fall prey uh, to false information and, and deliberate misinformation and disinformation. Most definitely, po, I agree that there is a lot of responsibility on our part. Pero hearing your answers po about what uh, these higher um, higher levels could do, like those people who are actually the actual creators of social media platform, po yung mga sa mga on on the policies po instead. A state regulated policies it definitely gives more hope na parang meron rin pong pwedeng mas malaking impact po and although it may be difficult to see today we're we're looking forward to the time na matupad po talaga yung mga gantong solutions and with that rin po in, with regards to the growth of social media we'd like to ask with the consideration to the current ways in which information is disseminated as we have been discussing how do you think that these methods in social media will continue to evolve and make the process more convenient for news outlets? Uh, of course, when you talk about uh, technological developments, uh, whether in software or hardware, uh, of course, speed is a factor. So compared to the 1990s where the internet was, at, was operating at a snail's pace, 
or at a turtle space. Now, uh, of course, there's still the turtle and the snail, but it has something to do with the inefficient uh, IT infrastructure that we have in the country. Uh, so that's one thing to consider. But uh, despite you know the limitations of our uh, physical infrastructure, uh, we cannot deny that it's still uh, very much improved compared to the 1990s level. Okay, so that's one. So the, in order to move forward, uh, it's necessary to come up with you know the necessary uh, infrastructure. Uh, as mentioned by Mark a while ago, there are certain areas that are still not yet electrified. So something as basic as that uh, would have to be addressed. Because as we all know, uh, electricity is one of the basic uh, you know, uh, requirements uh, for internet connection, or at least a steady power supply. Uh, because electricity is just one of the sources of energy. Uh, if you want uh, alternative sources of energy, uh, that can be explored as well. However, uh, as an educator, I would rather go for something more theoretical uh, in looking at the future. Uh, Postmodernism in media uh, may make it a bit counterproductive in terms of uh, dissemination of content because as we all know, uh, there is the preoccupation with form over substance. Even in journalism, sometimes we see that uh, there was a time when even hologram technology was introduced uh, for you know, at least two uh, of the leading networks, uh, did it do any good in terms of information dissemination? Well, there are some uh, advantages to it, but uh, people tend to be more preoccupied with the form. So they tend to remember that scene in Star Wars where Princess Leia asks, uh, you know, uh, sends a message through R2D2, help us Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. So sometimes they are reminded of that. And uh, the hologram looks like an appari apparition. Okay, anyway, uh, that's just one uh, factor to consider uh, because uh, I'm not saying that uh, we should reject uh, all forms of technology, but if uh, the technology would tend to put form over content, uh, that may not be so good in terms of the shaping of public opinion. Uh, and even uh, with regard to, actually the problem is not just with, so, with social media or new media, even with TV, even, even with uh, consumption of television uh, media content, uh, we see a situation where people uh, become more preoccupied with a, with a visual spectacle rather than the substance. And sometimes the running joke in journalism circles is that if you're good looking enough, you are good enough for television. If you have a good voice, you are good for radio. If you have neither the voice nor the looks, you are you're just with print and online. So maybe that would explain why my specialization is print and online and I have less exposure on radio and television. So that's the case uh, when it comes to postmodernism in media. Uh, sometimes we have to, you know, temper the technological developments and then try to make sense and try to apply it in a way that uh, content uh, would be given more precedence or given more priority uh, in, uh, instead, of, instead of the substance, uh, which is what's happening now. Thank you. Okay, um, taking off from uh, what Professor Arrow said, um, 
like 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 what I also mentioned a while back. I mean, there's a proliferation of influencers, content creators, uh, and and the relatability of the content that they uh, publish online is embraced by the masses, by the ordinary Filipinos. Um, and I'm not saying that their content. Uh, should be absent in social media. No? Sometimes we, we just really need a good laugh, right? Or we just really need uh, some breakers from all the, you know, from all the, the, the stuff that is happening uh, in the country, especially now, I mean, you know, in, in the time of uh, the pandemic and, and because we're naturally happy people, <laughs> the Filipinos. But um, like what I said, if, if legitimate news organizations, journalists, can harness that same kind of relatability uh, and energy and marry that kind of form uh, with the content or the substance that Professor Arrow is emphasizing a while back, uh, in the way we tell our stories, there is no, I think there's a lot more of possibility that will be there for ordinary Filipinos to, to, to also embrace those, those kinds of uh, content. And that's one direction that we can explore uh, for the future of uh, online journalism, if you want to, to call it uh, that way. Um, and, and that's the reason why also in, in other countries, um, media organizations in, in other countries have developed um, uh, new ways, new forms of storytelling. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Vox, uh, which has become now like a, a staple in online uh, popular media culture, so to say. So they did explanatory types of videos, uh, and hence they strengthened uh, explanatory journalism in video format. Now, we have now a substrand called video journalism, now, uh, by which we we try to take on an issue, create a content that is uh, consumable online. You know, and that's how Nas Daily developed his videos. You know. um, and, and that's what is, uh, that, that's also the direction that I am heading to now as a multimedia journalist personally with, with my work in Manila Bulletin. And, and that's why we created this entire uh, project called uh, MB Digidocs, digital documentaries that are shorter than TV documentaries, but uh, with the same uh, vision and the same purpose of looking in depth uh, into, the, into the stories that people have to know about. No, I mean, for example, if, if you want to talk about, you know, online learning, uh, or or distance learning in the time of the pandemic, we, we did a story about that precisely. The, those island teachers and students and how they survive uh, and how they do their schooling during these times. If you want to talk about the economic costs of uh, the pandemic, we were going to publish, for example, a story of uh, how a Karinderia manager or business owner is trying to survive uh, business-wise because she's also helping the families of the, the cooks and the, the servers who works for her. And we're, we're doing that on, 
on the perspective of storytelling, uh, of of bringing uh, the the real life experiences of these people to the to the foreground to to our social media feeds. I think um, we can we can explore uh, those kinds of uh, formats and storytelling uh, moving forward. Um, how we can use our mobile phones to tell more compelling stories and and more. Um, relevant stories to to the people, so we they can coexist. It, it's it's just a good reminder for for all of us what Mam Jingrei is, our head, uh, my head, my boss before when I was still in ABS-CBN, uh, said in one interview I think with Raptor, she said that you know uh, sometimes we referring to ABS-CBN, uh, we are also guilty of making the, this is not verbatim, but this is the gist of what she said, of making the Filipino people more entertained and less informed. <laughs> uh, uh, and I think now it's a challenge for us um, in, in mass media to help the people become adequately entertained, <laughs> but more informed. Um, because we need a citizenry that has to be more informed now. And I think this newer forms of storytelling um, without sacrificing content and substance and depth uh, will help us uh, reach a, a wider audience, you know, tapping into the, to the relatability factor. Okay. Um, most definitely po yung form over function. Nakikita ko po rin po talaga as a consumer and po of social media Tapos yung, yung Vox po, actually, I take a lot of my uh, research topics from this. Para ang dami ko, like, na-expose ako sa mga iba't ibang mga topics na issues na I didn't even know was an issue. Although, syempre, hindi naman po hanggang dun lang magre-research pa lalo, no? Pero I can also see this kind of thing na parang explanatory na appealing po talaga sa generation po natin in TikTok. Tapos parang meron po mga videos po, no? Na parang fast-paced yung pagsasalita, cut, cut, cut. Pero it fits in so much content. And although we really shouldn't just stop at there, no? Sa video na yun. We should do, be doing our own research. I most definitely would admit that it brings a lot of exposure to these issues that um, we may not have been aware of before. Ayun po. So, uh, if there's nothing else to add, um, actually, na na mention nila yung parang um, there's no actually, uh, parang sa lahat ng question kasi there's no exact way how to solve it. Lahat ng questions na tinanong po namin, na-realize ko, there's no exact way to solve it. And na-realize ko, it, because we're talking about right now, is public and media. Para silang vague na parang hindi mo ma-assure kung ano nga ba talaga yung fitting sa kanila. Like, kanina yung uh, in-explain nyo po nga na uh, yung ibang areas, ibabalik ko lang siya kahit kanina pa siyang question, yung ibang areas, hindi siya, uh, wala sila nung type of media na tinatanong namin kanina, na social, social media. Like, hindi siya accessible sa kanila. Like, sa atin, how we, we say na it's accessible sa atin. So, parang, with that said, parang, iba-iba pala talaga, when you say public, 
yun yung mahirap for the for the side of media. Kahit sabihin natin uh, uh, as much as we want to reach out to the mass public, hindi talaga siya kaya na uh, through this one platform, laging kailangan laging all of them kasi kaya sila na-create. Ito yung na-realize na, na, na ko eventually. Kaya sila na-create at nag-stay na uh, prevalent up to the present is because yung na-mention ni Sir Danilo na dapat content over ano, form pa rin. Yung <laughs> sample niya kanina. Totoo naman, siguro kung kung form over content tayo, baka meron na nga tayo no, sinample kanina ni Sir Danilo. Pero like, it would be useless. Anong, po, anong point niya? Like, unless mabigyan pa in the future. Like, we're not declining the possibility that it's gonna give something in the future. But right now, there's nothing. So, grab, uh, ang lawak ng discussion right now. Pero, to lessen it down, and para naman, mas mag, ano naman tayo, um, slowly tayong mag uh pumapunta na dun sa next segment natin. Uh, real? Okay. <laughs> okay, so if no one else ha- if no one else has anything to add, uh we will be moving on to our next segment which is just a very simple activity. This is fact or bluff. So, uh here we're going to be giving you three three statements. Tapos, one of them are true, two of them are false. You'll just have to uh, say which you think is true. Okay. So, ang fact or bluff natin ngayon is on Dolomite sa Manila Bay, about Manila Bay rehabilitation. Okay, so ang unang statement natin is, the dumping of Dolomite sand in the Manila Bay is completely safe for humans and marine life. The only issue here is in terms of uh, economical ex- ec- economics. The second statement is the current administration kickstarted the advances on the Manila Bay rehabilitation. And the third statement is the allotted budget for the Dolomite Beach project is 28 million pesos. So that's our three statements. If you'd like to guess, kung alin yung true. Pwede natin ulitin. Sige. Mag, yes. Parang ano po, multiple choice. Sige. Um, A, the dumping of dolomite sand in the Manila Bay is completely safe for humans and marine life. B, the current administration kick-started the advances on Manila Bay rehabilitation. C, the allotted budget for the dolomite beach project is 28 million pesos. Um, Pipili lang po kayo ng letter na truth. Tingnan niyo yung truth. Yung fact. <laughs> well, it depends on what you think, on what you say. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. sorry. Definitely A is a bluff. <laughs> because uh, there there has been reports about, you know, the health hazards of the Dolomite tan. Um, so I don't think it's safe. <laughs> so that's a bluff. Sir, let's do this as a team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, I was about to say that uh, it depends on what you uh, with regard to letter C. Uh, it depends on what you say on what you mean by budget, because uh, the dumping of the dolomite itself, uh, the dolomite uh, contract itself, uh, would be more than twenty eight. My 
from what I know, it's something like 389 million spread over two or three years. Uh, but it's not just the dolomite. It has also to do with the cleanup and other technical aspects uh, of the area. So I would say that C uh, would not be true uh, because, uh, it's because the project cost is something like 389 million. Okay, so for me, that's false, letter C. Okay, so the kickstarting of the project, uh, I'm not so sure about it. Maybe that's true because if you cancel both A and C out, then B would be true. But of course, I'm just guessing because uh, I'm not so familiar uh, with that particular issue. Oh, sir. Uh, sir Mark, do you have a different answer? I'm not so sure with the figure. Um, I mean, I, I didn't follow because the the Dolomite Sand, uh, the issue on the Dolomite Sand project. But I don't think it's as small as 28 million. I mean, practically speaking, I mean, you know, with, with all the things that they've brought in there, I, I think it's bigger than 28 million. Um, but with, sorry, for letter B, if you're saying that this particular project only, the Dolomite, uh, the kickstarting of the Dolomite project. I think letter B would be would probably be true, but in the, as regards other beautification programs for Manila Bay, there has been a lot in the previous times. You no, know? even the Bakawan project. So, if you're referring to this project alone being kickstarted by this administration, then that would be true. Letter B. Okay, so. Um, yes, because in addition to that, uh, the private sector is closely monitored, uh, is clo uh, has a partnership with the government uh, in terms of the uh, rehabilitation program. So the Manila Bay project is actually very big. It's not just the Dolomite project. So, yeah. And in fact, uh, there are some issues. There are some controversies regarding the partnership because the, if you talk about the media situation, uh, I don't want to mention specific names, but the one who filed a libel case against Maria Ressa uh, allegedly has a stake in, uh, albeit indirect, indirectly, uh, in the rehabilitation program of the, of the Manila Bay, okay, through the daughter uh, who ran as a party list representative. So that's a lot of blind items there. But uh, the bottom line is that uh, there, is a part, there is a private sector government uh, partnership uh, with regard to the rehabilitation program of uh, the Manila Bay. And that would explain why the Catholic Church, particularly Malate, uh, if you're familiar with the Malate Church, uh, it has taken a stand against uh, the Dolomite Project. Uh, uh, not just the Dolomite Project, but uh, the entire uh, rehabilitation, uh, not just because of the interest of big business, but because of the environmental impact that it may bring. Yeah, That's all I have to say. Okay, so... Um, upon hearing your answers, we've realized that there are some <laughs> things that we should have clarified po sa mga statements po na nabigay namin. So, uh, let's just go through it one by one. So, yung first off po, um, the Dolomite Sand is completely safe for human health and marine environments. Like you mentioned po, most definitely, this is not true. So, meron po daw kasing silica in Dolomite na when it is in dust form, pwedeng magka-problema po sa ating mga humans when it's inhaled. Tapos, you, meron rin po mga minerals and metals or mga substances in the dolomite that can cause irregularities sa ecosystem, sa marine, bio, sa marine 
as a marine ecosystem when it's uh, dumped down there po. Tapos ito naman po yung ano, yung sa second question kung saan po. Sana kinlarify po sana namin lalo. Um, yung Manila Bay Rehabilitation that we were referring to was as a whole, which uh, Sir Mark had mentioned earlier. So yung administration na to, hindi lang po sila yung nag-start po ng Manila Bay Rehabilitation. There were several other calls and cleanup drives and other initiatives that were called for like dating dati pa po like since 19 like 1999 po yung mga ganung years po tapos yung third naman po ito po sana yung yung truth tapos actually sir Danilo you mentioned the number very accurately i got very surprised by that uh <laughs> 389 million pesos is the budget allotted for the whole Manila Bay Rehabilitation Project. Tapos yung sinasabi pong ano, Dolomite Beach Project. Um, ito po yung uh, 28 pesos po. So, ayun po dapat yung correct answer. Pero, kayo po yung panalo dito. <laughs> kayo po panalo dito kasi sabi niyo po, hindi po kayo masyado nakapag-research about it. Pero, <laughs> parang <laughs> grabe ang informative naman sinabi niyo opo parang yung mas may natutunan pa po kami yung mga, yung mga viewers namin mag ano bigla ah, ah ganun pala yun <laughs> yung sa Malati Church <laughs> opo ayun po kasi ano eh uh, let me just clarify uh, we're not trivia box or anything uh, and Mark I think will confirm this if you're into journalism Uh, part of your task is to read the newspapers and to, you know, know uh, the current events. So the fact that I know 389 million doesn't make me a genius in any way. It just makes me an ordinary journalist. So any journalist worth his or her salt would know uh, such uh, basic facts. But it's understandable if you're just students right now and you, you may not have a better grasp of uh, the reality Uh, when you grow up to become a well, definitely you're grown up. But when you graduate to become a journalist, uh, if you choose that profession, uh, you know, reading the newspapers will become part of your ordinary routine. Uh, I'm sure Mark uh, would like to add more about uh, the routines of a journalist for the better enlightenment of the of our. Youth. I mean, it's good that you have this segment of fact checking, uh, but if you're doing it with uh, with journalists. Journalists like to clarify and contextualize their 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 answers, and that's what you've seen, Diva. Right? Uh, and it, it's not bad practice. In fact, it's very good practice for a journalist to admit that he doesn't have the numbers yet, or if he is unsure. I think that's better to say instead of you know winging it. And 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 trying to look smart or sound smart, and in the end giving a wrong, uh, unverified answer. So I think takita nyo di ba how we tried to make sense of the choices and try to verify it and contextualize it because in journalism context is very important. Um, and at the same time, um, it doesn't for me it doesn't make you less of a journalist if you. If you, you know, delay giving a categorical answer for the sake of verification, it's better to have a verified, contextualized answer than you know being the first and saying something that is, 
underside. So, oh, yun. <laughs> Thank oh, you po. Doon ito po parang ano, parang game lang po. Pero, para while you were answering, sobrang napansin po. Ang responsible po talaga nila sumagot. Like, every bit of it was really clarified. You know, para sa mga viewers po, na, uh, sa mga listeners po natin na gusto mag-journalist, here's a little Alam niyo na po. requirements niyo for your... <laughs> Okay. Thank you po for that insightful um uh answers. Uh mag-move on na po tayo sa next segment po natin. This is um another our next discussion, Rio. Okay. So, I uh, will be asking another set of questions and we'll be starting off with this. So, with a large portion of the country's youth taking over social media compared to other age groups, it's expected for the youth to partake in discussions online more casually or uh, mas kasanayan na po talaga nila to. Having said that, what differences do you think this makes when it comes to the interactions of the youth with social political issues? <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Okay, yeah. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, I'll go first for this one. Um, okay. I don't know, but I'm sure you've heard of the term pawoke or the woke. Uh, oh, and, uh, uh, and sometimes I'm like that. <laughs> I tend to um, um, post uh, content online. I mean, you know, even if it's just textual. Uh, just airing out my my take or my view on specific issues and i think it's it's good for young people to engage in uh, public discourse no so long as you are able to do so uh, with depth with substance um, you know exercising those uh, brain cells uh, and again, being being intentional with the messages that you want to to put forward to uh, in in social media, um, there's no one stopping you to to take part, and it's very good to take part in in those conversations. No, um, I really hate it when people um, make use of social media. Um, and and they and they even push it forward to to um, perpetuate or propagate uh, a specific kind of mentality, no? good vibes lang mentality. Yung uh, stick to the positive types of content or messages. Yung tinatawag nating toxic positivity to the point that they are, without probably realizing it, shaming others intellectually. Um, and sometimes the younger Filipino, I'm not generalizing, I don't want to generalize, but this is because of what I observe being an avid user of social media because of my work as well. That sometimes the younger crowd, the younger Filipinos tend to uh, overstep certain boundaries without them realizing that they're already shaming, I mean, you know, being, um, doing intellectual shaming. Uh, yung, I mean, I think we can raise our level of we can raise a level of conversation higher than just you know commenting wow or magaling. No, I mean contribute to the discussion. I mean, you know, um, 
do your research, um, debate in a healthy way online. If you're if the person that you are engaging that conversation uh, or doing that conversation with is some someone you know or someone who can also discourse intellectually, no, wakay papatol sa trolls like ginagawa ko minsan. Kasi you 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 feed them and you you make them earn once you comment on their uh, once you I know you you fall into their trap. Uh, kasi yun yung gusto nila. But but if you're discussing with friends, people from the same university or from other universities, because you you want to sincerely know more about the, the issue or the topic and do so. And, and that's why I really like the proliferation of podcasts now, you know, using StreamYard online, like this one. I mean, you know, it's a good thing because, um, you know, we're making good use of our time <laughs> while on lockdown. Um, and we're using new technology. We're using uh, whatever we have uh whatever tools we have and, and readily, readily available online to, to make the audience, to make the netizens more intelligent. And I think that's, that's the role that we have to play. I mean, you know, the younger uh, generation now, because we already have these tools. It's just a matter of going beyond, you know, going beyond Pawok and going beyond the good vibes culture. You know, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think we can. Oh, with on, if I may add in po on your, on the topic of being intentional po, I think especially na us younger generations, like we mentioned, are more immersed in this uh, online sphere. It can be easy for us to just accidentally stumble upon this topic, because without thinking, we just post whatever that's on our mind. So I think po that we should be more cautious na or conscious po of what we're posting now. When we are posting, we're it's more than just a surface level understanding po. Uh, Sir Danilo? Yeah. Uh, part of media literacy is to teach uh, the younger generation and other generations involved in social media uh, to win themselves from uh, the addiction uh, brought about by certain uh, social media platforms. Hindi naman natin nilalahat. Pero yung ilan sa mga popular na social media platform ay dinesign talaga para maging addicting siya sa maraming tao. Now, why is winning away from such platforms necessary? Uh, we need to translate our views online, uh, whatever progressive views we may have online, uh, to action uh, in the real world. In other words, we have to use uh, you know the message that we want to convey on social media as a mechanism for, you know, uh, meaningful social action. For example, the emergence of the community pantries uh, would be a good case study uh, on how uh, something that went viral got picked up by the news media organizations and then it took on a life of its own. It started with a small pantry uh, along Maginhawa Street and then it even reached East Timor, right? So those uh, initiatives, uh, so that's a good uh, way uh, to maximize uh, social media. And uh, what's good about the youth right now is that there are certain groups, uh, there are certain you know, uh, groupings on social media that would, that would otherwise just be an ordinary fan club. Uh, let me just cite a particular case. Uh, Katniel, for example, 
fan club took a very very good role in terms of amplifying the call to grant the renewal of franchise uh, of ABS-CBN. And when uh, there was uh, an attempt to body shame uh, Miss Catherine uh, Bernardo, uh, the entire Catniel fandom uh, ganged up on uh, a particular uh, DDS lawyer. Okay, I won't mention the name anymore, baka sumikat pa siya. Uh, <laughs> but they helped in terms of uh, not really engaging in cancel culture in the strictest sense of the word, but in highlighting the fact that you don't do that. You don't body shame uh, you know, people. Uh, you don't do that. So they tend, So that's a good way to do it. And uh, there was a time when TikTok was just simply you know, for fun and games, for entertainment, for people who can dance or pretend to dance, uh, you know, things like that. But right now, uh, as correctly mentioned uh, you know, uh, by all, by many of by by all of you, TikTok has emerged into a good uh, discussion point, right? Where you can have uh, you know productive conversations. Uh, there was a time when uh, I did I did not really dismiss Kumo altogether, but Kumo, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it as an app, uh, would be useful also for you know entertainment. But I was surprised when I was invited to appear on a Kumo episode discussing social media ethics. So it was only then that I realized that, uh, hey, this particular uh, app uh, can also be used just like TikTok for discussion. So anyway, the bottom line here is that uh, we cannot be dismissive of new and emerging platforms. Uh, of course, some of them uh, may last longer, but some of them may come and go. Uh, you're too young to remember, but once upon a time, the direct competitor of Twitter was Plurk. P-L-U-R-K. Okay, you may not be familiar with it anymore. But now, Plurk uh, has somewhat, uh, it's still there, but uh, it somewhat became marginal as a social media platform. Uh, Friendster, uh, you may be familiar with it. Uh, just for the record, I met my wife on Friendster uh, way back when, but uh, now uh, it's been taken over by Facebook. Okay, so, you know, things like that. So, kumbaga uh, parang we can be open uh, to certain platforms and it can be maximized uh, for better use. Uh, I won't be surprised if there comes a time when the, the likes of Tinder would take on some political agenda also, uh, although right now it's a bit unthinkable, but, uh, you know, uh, things like that can happen. You know, sometimes the impossible can happen uh, because of social media. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Oh, I most definitely agree with that and I can definitely see that happening especially na napaka-open nga po kaming mga youth to these different uh, new platforms and possibilities po. Actually, uh, na-mention ni Sir yung Tinder. Like, hindi, hindi siya magugulat pag lumawas yun. Actually, same, uh, medyo same po yung thoughts ko. Kahit never pa ako nakatayin ng dating app. Pero uh, parang by same kasi feel ko po uh, since you said nga po na parang um, sobrang, na-mention din po kanina na accessible ang social media for those na in the metro. So those that, those that are using these apps, these social media sites, most of them obviously siguro na-scroll down na nila tong topic na to. Yung TikTok, feel ko for some kasi it's their way of uh, uh, coping right now ng talking to people or in, uh, engaging with people. So, naging platform na din siya ng 
uh, pag-tackle ng gantong issues. So, even though sabihin natin na, ano, parang, di ba, may mga ibang tao, positive vibes lang, ganyan. Parang, for some kasi, uh, hearing those news, it's, uh, it's something na, ah, thankful ako narinig ko siya ngayon. Kung, kung hindi siguro, baka I could have said this on another topic. So, for them, it's something na, yes, hindi siya yung entertaining na parang tatawa ka or yung good vibes. But I agree na, I agree na parang it, it's our, our generation right now, it's possible na ganun. Even dating apps. Pwede siya umabot doon. Ano nga eh, uh, yung mga zodiac signs nga, very important. Dati, na, <laughs> dati naman pag zodiac sign, parang, actually, panahon ng mga parang 10 years old ako, ano ba yung zodiac sign sa mga parents ko? Like, <laughs> wala naman ako po sa zodiac sign. Pagdating ngayon, biglang, ay, ano ka, ganyan ka, Libra, ganyan, ganyan. Parang sobrang binabagyo siya. Uh, and the thing is, per yung generation kasi namin, pag may kumalat na something, uh, na, it's not a trend. I cannot say it's a trend. Pero like, when something uh, kumalat siya, parang biglang uh, lahat, gusto din malaman, what what is it about? Lalo accessible siya. Diba? So parang, uh, na-mention niyo na po yung mga uh, dapat going beyond pa uh, and uh, good vibes culture lalo na sa generation ngayon and putting action in the real world like besides sharing this uh, advocacies online sharing this views online um, in your opinion po dagdag pa po sa mga nasabi nyo kanino in your opinion how has social media contributed to the development of the new generation of Filipinos like for us po kasi gato kami ito yung nabibiyo namin sa sarili namin um for sa inyo po ba for uh for uh for those na from different generations po um did it pave way for a more aware and informed generation on the issues of both local uh, communities and the world or do you think po na somehow same pa rin kasi ngayon nga TMI na like before mas informed na may substance may mga ganun po ba kayong uh thoughts po or something Well, that's a bit hard to answer in the sense that uh, there are a lot of factors to consider in terms of how, you know, different kinds of people uh, consume social media. Uh, in communication, uh, there is a theory called knowledge gap theory. So basically, media consumption uh, would be dependent on uh, a lot of factors like level of education, uh, command of the language, uh, what else? Uh, actually, there are a lot. Uh, actually, even attention span uh, could also be a one factor in terms of knowledge gap. So when you think about it, uh, sometimes the effects, uh, if we take into account also another theory in communication called uses and gratification theory, uh, it would appear that people will, will also have uh, different uses uh, for social media. So these are questions uh, that would need to be processed well uh, in order to come up with something more uh, conclusive, uh, in my opinion. Now, having said that, uh, I think today's generation uh, would be facing uh, a different kind of challenge compared to the previous generations. Uh, because right now, for example, uh, talking about journalism, that viral question coming from certain journalists, uh, you know, who ask allegedly stupid questions, 
you know, there's a lot of talk about it. Uh, you know, during our time uh, in the 1990s, uh, when I was starting uh, out as a journalist, uh, there was, uh, well, I had my own share of, you know, outrageous questions as well. But lucky for me, there was no social media to, you know, bash me or to cancel me out. So right now, uh, for journalists, uh, they would have to be really on their toes uh, to ensure that, uh, you know, they practice the highest standards of the profession. Now, for ordinary people, I think the same case applies, uh, uh, given the predominance of cancel culture, cyberbullying, bashing, uh, and all that. Uh, we have to be careful on how we comport ourselves uh, online, uh, sorry, offline and online. Uh, because we're in, because in cases wherein we would be in a public place, uh, we might uh, end up, you know, being the next trending topic, right? So that by itself uh, is very, very challenging for all of us. Of course, I'm not saying that uh, you should be, you should not lead your life and you should not go out of the house anymore. Uh, it's just that uh, our, our, our interaction uh, would take on, you know, added pressures uh, to be more responsible and to be more, uh, you know, circumspect in terms of our actions because uh, social media uh, would be there uh, to, you know, practically document, you know, any missteps that we would be doing. So a lot of care should be done in the process. So that's my take on it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Professor Aro is right. I mean, before you can give any conclusive assessment uh, for this generation <laughs> on whether they, whether we could consider them more informed um, or not, I mean, there has to be uh, a deeper study. Uh, maybe an, uh, because there are media studies that are being done. I mean regularly. So maybe that's one of the, the research focus that we can uh, explore. Um, but based on um, observation, maybe because, um, you know, uh, having the information easily accessible, I mean, posting them online, having new sites, uh, different uh, social media platforms that you can use to access information, uh, the presence does not really translate directly to being, you know, to, to contributing uh, to a more well-informed uh, citizenry or, or generation. So, uh, there has to be an active engagement coming from uh, the consumers you know? and specifically to the, to the subject of the question, the, the younger generation. I think um, for, for the younger generation, I think I'm, I'm still part of that. I mean, uh, uh, I think I qualify legitimate to be called a millennial. Okay. Uh, that's, our, that's my generation. Um, I think um, it really boils down to how we can develop that kind of active engagement among the, the, the young users of, of social media. Because the presence of information, again, is not equal to becoming more informed. You have to dialogue with it. You have to consume it. Uh, and at the same time, after consuming it, have, after creating your own um, uh, judgment or opinion about it, 
you know you you have to take as another step to to substantiate that opinion and in turn create new content i think that's we can that's one way by which we can actually measure whether uh, this generation has become more informed um, uh, because for me if there's no engagement <laughs> uh, there's no active engagement real engagement coming from uh, the consumers um, the information will just remain stagnant you know there's no action uh, that that you know that the information did not translate into doing something to change specific things or, or the status quo if, if the status quo needs to be changed so for me that's the real measure of, of effectiveness if i can see that one day the the younger generation or the present generation of you know the youth um has you know you know read something or watched something from their feeds and then they band i mean you know they group together and 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 try to do something about it to remedy a, a problem or to take stand on an issue maybe that's effectiveness right there you know and nakita ko yan nung um nagka-shot nung na-shutdown ng ABS no? so there were groups of students who actually went to the ABS with us to to protest the the shutdown so probably in that level that issue being uh being uh, talked about in social media has become has resonated well uh, to the younger generation and i think we need more kind of those active engagement and social actions to assess the, the effectiveness of social media most definitely, although we were able to get that kind of engagement and exposure, it shouldn't just end at that. We should get a more comprehensive understanding. Po. And with that said, po, yung mga measures nyo of whether or not mas informed po tayo or uh, or not, ano na po ngayon yung responsibility ng youth to both older and uh, coming generations? Especially given the the their immersion to the influential and impactful na online sphere i think people uh, would need to be more media savvy and technology savvy uh, by media savvy we mean uh, being more uh, controlling of their media consumption and uh, not let media control uh, their own lives and by media we mean particularly social media because that's uh, the because that's the platform uh, in which uh, many of our youth are very you know uh, preoccupied and of course uh, with media sabiness uh, one aspect of it would be social media uh, but there are other aspects uh, when it comes to media consumption uh, of course uh, I would advise uh, the youth uh, to focus more on uh, studying uh, society and, uh, you know, uh, trying to look at education beyond uh, the four walls of the classroom. I mean, theory is very important. As an educator, uh, I can tell you that theory is important. But the actual practice uh, would be, you know, uh, a great equalizer in terms of opening uh, each other's perspectives. 
So, of course, mobile gaming would be a good, you know, escape from all the stress besetting us. Uh, mobile legends would empower you to think that you are, you know, a meta-human or whatever. But uh, it can only do so much in terms of giving you that, uh, you know, enjoyment. I think real enjoyment among the youth, uh, and I don't want to sound corny about it, would be, you know, serving the people. Uh, particularly the marginalized and the underrepresented. If there is one thing that education should teach us, it is that uh, we should uh, help those in need and we should uh, try our best uh, to be agents of social change. So if the youth can uh, do that, uh, then uh, that would be good uh, for future generations uh, because uh, we will be developing uh, our society for the better, uh, not necessarily for us uh, as privileged middle class or rich people, but at least uh, those uh, in need uh, would have uh, much better lives because of our own initiatives. Uh, that's all. Thank you. Thank you, Pinsir. For me, I think the responsibility starts with asking yourself the right questions. I mean, being more reflective. Uh, onto how you are currently using social media. I mean, you know, do a self-assessment uh, personally. Uh, ask yourself questions like, why am I using social media? Um, what am I using it for? What are the types of content that I'm posting? Is my feed full of my selfies or the food that I'm eating? Uh, and those are the only two things that I always post and share in my feeds or do I try to engage with meaningful conversation online? Do I try to um, uh, maximize my use of uh, social media given a schedule, being intentional about the, the information that I will consume and trying to make sense of it and then taking a stand or saying something, something about it. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, it's your choice. I mean, it's, this day's generation's choice uh, on how they will make social media less of a of an echo chamber of noise and more of a of an environment when where we can all uh, have meaningful conversations and and substantial dialogue um, and we have the power to do that we have the skills to do that. Um, we are equipped now with, with all the tools uh, that will allow us to tell more meaningful stories, more relevant stories uh, to the people. Again, I'm not saying that the vlogs, that our escapades, the, 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 the current trends, our TikTok videos are, are unimportant and that we should dismiss them altogether. No, what I'm saying is we can probably do a, a lot more contribute to uh, to our society, to the common good. Um, and at the same time, while making uh, use of these uh, tools in telling stories, we are actually helping other people uh, realize more about their human condition, uh, about who they are as human beings and as, as Filipinos. And hopefully, um, through the stories that we tell, we promote, change the app and this is one thing that I always tell people because for me this is my personal mantra uh, whenever I 
do stories wherever I may be working. That I always remind myself that yung mga kwento na ginagawa ko, hindi siya tungkol sa akin as a storyteller. It's always about those people. Yung kwento mo, hindi mo kwento. Kwento nila. Because you always, you only borrow their stories and place them on a platform so that people get inspired somehow or or, or, or get to know more about the conditions that are happening or are, that are present in our current society. Uh, both of your pieces of advice or message po, personally po, it really resonated with me rin po, no? As pers- uh, I'm very much guilty of sometimes feeling helpless when reading all those current events. Tapos, I, I just look for these ways to escape it. And at the end of the day, I realize na I feel emptier than I ever was. And I think it just goes to show how much, how important it really is sa ating mga tao na makipagtulungan na rin po. Ayan po. So, Jason? Um, uh, additionally, dun sa sinabi ni Rio, uh, nung minansyon ni Sir Danilo, yung education should teach us na we should help those in need. And uh, yung theory, important siya. But dapat we should... Uh, maximize it beyond the four walls of our classrooms. Parang uh, sobrang impactful niya. Like, I remember, um, mababalik ko lang slide since parang kahap mga ilang days ago lang yung research namin, yung presentation na research namin. About kasi siya sa digital activism. Tapos kasi there's this divide, di ba? Parang there's, di- there's this divide with uh, physical active, parang in-ground activists and the digital activists. Tapos parang at the end of it all, through the interviews we had, parang ang naging conclusion niya, hindi naman pala dapat lagyan ng divide. Like, uh, uh, yes, parang ganun siya nag-start off kasi minimal siya tingnan. But like what you uh, what you guys said, tama naman na mag, mag, ano, parang mag-advocate online, mag-share ng, uh, online, mag-share ng views online or kaya ng mga yung mga parang news, sharing of news din, na they want to uh, share sa ibang tao, parang it's it matters. Like, it's 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 small, but it matters. So parang uh, at the end of it all though, dapat lagi parang may collective action at the end of it all. So, dumagdag dito yung ask yourself questions. So sinabi ni Brio na uh, napaisip siya na minsan feel niya helpless siya gano'n. Ah, uh, Actually, that's a step already. Like, now na-realize ko, step na pala yun, yung pag-iisip natin na parang ang daming, ang daming ano, information online. But uh, we still have this uh, within ourselves na parang uh, parang gusto namin tumulong pero hindi namin alam paano. It's a step already. And I think, uh, thank you po sa mga advice niyo for us youth and sa mga viewers namin yun. Kasi feel ko mas may inspire sila ngayon to uh, go out of their comfort zone, like within the screens lang, na parang uh, laging yun lang yung ano nila, parang ka-engage nila. Baka siguro pwede ng next time, eventually family, ganyan, kung, kung ano, uh, kung healthy man, <laughs> yet <Yeah>, sure. <laughs> Pero ayun, um, sobrang thankful po, thankful po ako sa discussion today. Sobrang grabe yung insights nyo. As journalists, it matters. Na parang, 
it matters po na you have this, we, we hear this side of your views on social media and its impact to the public and to the youth, ano, youth then specifically. Uh, with that, that's a wrap, Lasalians. We have finally reached the end of today's podcast. We genuinely hope you learned something from our speakers, especially as youth. We are often exposed to the overwhelming happenings on different social media platforms. Hopefully, through the presence of Sir Mark and Sir Danilo, uh, we learned more about social media's impact to us and the people around us and how we should uh, handle it more and do more beyond the social media platforms. So once again, we would like to acknowledge the presence of our speakers. Thank you po. Thank you for your time so much. and effort to join us today. Sobra po. Sobra thank Thank you. Okay, and for our listeners, uh, don't forget to check out our social media page for more content and updates on erudition navigating the limitless.